This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Hola, celebration day. Manzanillo, Mexico. Whatever. Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Mark here along with Bishop Ed. We are in Manzanillo, Mexico, sí. taking a week off for a little vacation time, a uh, little winter vacation. We do this every 60 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> we, re we renew our brotherly love. <laughs> every 60 years. We should do it more often, actually. Probably that's, that's pretty bad, every yeah, 60 years. Bad. So We'll try to work that out. This is the last day of uh, Christmas tide, by the way, so still Merry Christmas, 12th day. Oh, is that right? The 12th mm -hmm. day of Christmas. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know these things, but he does. <laughs> anyway, we're so glad to be here, down here. Uh, Pastor Phil is down here with us as well. We would show him, but he's walking around without a shirt, and the whiteness of his skin would blind the camera, because he's not like his father or his uncle. La Flama Blanca. <laughs> too, much, too much of his mother in him. But anyway, uh, just want to say hi to you guys and encourage you this morning. Uh, also want to say hi to our Appleton campus. They're celebrating their 10th year anniversary. Today. Congratulations. We're Fabulous. Woo, 10 years, baby. Got to hand it to us. We stick with it. I'll tell you that. So uh, anyway, blessings to you guys. This morning, uh, our very lovely Miss Becky, uh, who is our campus director in Green Bay, is going to be bringing the message. Yes. Don't, don't mess it up, Becky. <laughs> no pressure. Anyway, <laughs> we love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you all next week. And uh, let's give a big, warm celebration welcome to Miss Becky Schomer. <laughs> Don't screw it up. That's what Bishop Ed says to me every time I have the opportunity to share with all of you. Just don't screw it up, Becky. <laughs> oh, good morning, and welcome to our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point. Would you all stand with me, please, as we um, recite the Apostles' Creed together? This is our statement of faith and what we believe as a church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. So as you see, Pastor Mark and Deanna have escaped to warmer climates for this week. We are delighted for them. Um, the guys were joking before they left that they were going to try to find Three Amigos costumes so they could send us a video of them in their Three Amigos costumes, but um, I guess the sombreros were a little difficult to pack in their luggage or something like that. So um, 
I assume that they're just having a really great time and that is certainly our hope for them. Um, if you are new to Celebration Church, you may not actually be aware of this, but Pastor Mark, who is our lead pastor, also has this amazing marriage ministry called Laugh Your Way. Um, he travels literally all over the world speaking to thousands and thousands of couples about marriage every year. And let me say this to you as our church, um, Laugh Your Way is a completely separate entity from the church, legally speaking. But there is no way that Pastor Mark could do what he does unless our church created the space and the margin for him to be able to do that. Um, so I hope you know that those countless, and I do mean countless couples whose marriages have been strengthened because of the marriage of, um, because of the ministry of Laugh Your Way are a credit to you as well, Celebration Church. Um, it really is a blessing that we're able to partner together with Laugh Your Way in that, um, in that respect and we're just so grateful. Um, so we do pray that Pastor Mark and Deanna and Bishop Ed and Pastor Phil and the rest of the gang that are with them, we really pray that they have an amazing week and it's refreshing and revitalizing and they soak up a ton of sun and, um, but we will certainly look forward to having them back here next Sunday. Um, Pastor Mark had also mentioned that today marks the 10th anniversary of our Appleton campus, which really is incredible, 10 years. Um, in that time, our Appleton campus has actually gone through a couple of different locations that they've met, and they have gone through a change in leadership a number of times. And in the past several months, you may or may not be aware of this, but they actually went through a change of both. Um, and it's been, it's been hard for our Appleton families. But I wanna let you know this, our Appleton campus has some of the most faithful and faith-filled people that you would ever wanna meet. So um, I had a, a scripture that just jumped off the pages to me when I was reading it yesterday because it really spoke to me of who that, that group, that part of Celebration Church really is. And it comes out of the book of Lamentations and, and just before these particular verses, Jeremiah was kind of outlining some of his own struggles that he's going through. But then he says this, and, and to me this has really just been the heart of our folks in Appleton. He says, <clears throat> This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So to all of our Celebration Appleton families, we want you to know that we celebrate with you today and we honor your commitment to the Lord and we just really um, hope and pray that you have a wonderful celebration after your service today as well. Yeah, you can give them another hand. They deserve it. So good. All right, so the portion of scripture that I wanna share with you this morning comes out of the book of Ephesians in the first chapter, but before I read it, I do wanna give you just a little bit of background about it. Um, there is some dispute about the author, but generally speaking, the really smart scholarly people do agree that it was the Apostle Paul who wrote it. And this book is actually a letter that was sent not only to the church in Ephesus, um, but it was meant to be circulated to a number of different churches, and Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison in Rome waiting for trial. So Paul, at the time that he wrote this, was experiencing some pretty severe hardships, and his liberties have just been taken away from him, and there's just a lot of uncertainty in his life. And it's important that we remember that in just a moment, okay? Um, the other thing that I want you to know about this particular passage is I'm gonna share with you just 11 verses of scripture today. And I won't th read through them all at one time, but it is worth noting that when Paul wrote 
um, the words that we're going to read. In the original language, all 11 verses are one unbroken sentence. So they go on and they're just filled with all of these adjectival, that's quite a word, isn't it? Adjectival, I don't even know if that is a word. <laughs> anyway, all of these adjectival phrases that just help enrich or explain his initial point, okay? Now, Paul does this a great deal when he writes, so I just wanna give you a little bit of a picture to help you understand this, because it may help you when you read other things that Paul has written, okay? So I want you to imagine, if you will, as Paul writes, that it's as though he's walking into a, a treasure chamber, and he starts to share with us what he sees. So if you can imagine, he walks into this room, and the first and most obvious things that he sees, we'll say for the sake of our example, is this um, beautiful or golden treasure chest, okay? So Paul begins to describe that to, um, to the people that he's writing to, but as he's looking at that, suddenly his attention is drawn down to the table that it sits upon, and he discovers that this table is just embellished with the most beautiful jewels, so he starts to talk about that, and then suddenly it's like there's this glistening happening in the corner of his eye, and his attention is drawn, and he noticed that there's a net of diamonds cast behind this treasure chest, and his eye goes from treasure to treasure to treasure to treasure, and each time he starts to describe them all into one terribly long sentence, okay? But it helps us if we can think about this sometimes when you read Paul because he really does feel like it's a bit of a run-on sentence. He truly has a gift to run on. But it's helpful if we can kind of keep this in mind that that's what happening is happening because he has so many different rich concepts that he wants to bring together and they're all truly just interconnected and that's why he just goes from one to the other to the other because it's how he starts to see them unfolding. But we need to remember that all of them are meant to describe that initial treasure, okay? And that's what we're gonna experience as we go through these verses today in Ephesians. So let's jump into it. We're gonna start in Ephesians chapter one, verse three. And here's what Paul writes. This is the real treasure, okay? He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Okay, so let's back up for a second. Do you remember what I just told you that Paul's condition was at the time that he wrote this letter? Prisoner. Liberty stripped from him, awaiting trial. That's kind of a big deal. Can you remember the last time that you um, got a pebble stuck in your shoe? You know the kind I'm talking about where it feels like there's gotta be an honest to goodness rock, but when you kick your shoe up, you can't even find the silly thing because it's so small, but it's in there and you just can't help but notice it, right? Well, I want you to like hold on to that moment for a second in your imagination. And I'm gonna ask you to now also imagine yourself enjoying one of your most favorite desserts. It could be fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies that just came out of the oven. It could be a daiquiri ice ice cream cone from Baskin Robbins. That's what I'm imagining right now. <laughs> Whatever it is, I want you to imagine that you are enjoying that thing, okay? But now, I want you to put the two together. I want you to imagine that you are enjoying that very favorite dessert of yours while you are walking around with a pebble in your shoe. Where do you think your focus would be drawn to? The sad truth is, almost all of us in this room would be drawn to the pebble in our shoe. 
And that's a little bit how the obstacles or the struggles of our life can start to impact us. They start to rob us from seeing the blessings that are sitting right in front of us. But not so with Paul. He doesn't write this letter outlining the lack of justice in his life. Instead, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You see, Paul is a man who understood the riches of a life in Christ. And he's about to tell us about them, but there are just a few little gems that I wanna pull out of this first verse um, before we do that, because again, remember, this is the treasure, right? Okay, so I want us to look at that, ver that phrase that says, in the heavenly realms. Now it seems to imply when most people read that, they tend to think that it means that we have these blessings waiting for us in heaven for when we get there one day. But that's not actually what Paul is telling us. Because when we look at this verse, and he has said to us, um, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Notice the tense of the word. It is past tense. It's not that he will bless us when we get to heaven, he has blessed us. So you see, the secret to understanding this little phrase lies in that tiny little word, in. So here's your word study for today, okay? That little word, in, in the Greek language, um, actually carries the idea or the notion, I guess, of from where something operates, okay? So when that phrase is used, it isn't meant to imply that there are blessings waiting for us in heaven. Rather, the blessings that we've already received operate from or because of the heavenly realms. These are heavenly blessings, okay? And we're gonna see that in a moment, how true this really is, because at the end of the verse, we are told what kind of blessings they are. They are spiritual blessings. And did you notice, I know we read it quickly, but did you notice how many of them God said that we have received when we are in Christ? All of them. Every spiritual blessing has been given to us. Whoa right? <laughs> so aren't you dying to find out what they are? I was reading this and I was kind of like on the edge of my seat thinking, okay, Lord, show it to me. I want to see it. We should be because if we are in Christ, we have received these things. They are already ours, okay? Now remember, these next 10 verses we're going to walk through, this is like Paul now walking into that treasure room, the treasure chamber. So there's going to be richness upon richness upon richness, and we're going to read them, and they're going to sound like a uh, run-on sentence, a little bit, okay? But I want you to know that, um, that each of these concepts are very rich and we can't honestly unpack them all because if we did, each time we would take one, we would discover that there's new layers to it as we would pull the first one off. You know, that's why Bible study is so important, my friends. Every time we do it, it's like walking into the treasure chamber and finding out what it is that God has waiting there for us. So let's walk in with Paul and let's discover what it is, what these spiritual blessings are that he says we have already received if we are in Christ. Are you ready? All right, Ephesians chapter one, verses four through six. We're gonna take it just in little chunks, okay? Um, so verses four through six, these are the first of our spiritual blessings that we have already received. It says this. For he chose us in him 
before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Okay, so this is where the blessings begin, okay? He chose us. Now, we're gonna talk about that in a second. Like, that's a pretty incredible statement all by itself, but we have to look at the fullness of the statement. He chose us before he created the world. Can you imagine? We were chosen before he created the world even, all that time ago. And what he created us for, and I love this, he chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So the God of the universe, before he ever fashioned this earth, thought to himself, ooh, hmm, that one? Yeah, ah, I'm gonna put her in the Kreshak family in Menasha, Wisconsin. I'm gonna do it like, mm, let me see, maybe 1940 years after Jesus has to die for the sins of the world that I haven't even created yet, but is gonna get a little messed up by Adam and Eve, but I'm gonna put her there, and then she's gonna live life, and she's gonna mess some things up too as she walks on that earth that I haven't yet created, but one day, she is gonna stand before me, holy and blameless, <clears throat> the way I intended her to be. Ah, oh, what a vision that's gonna be. Yes, I choose Becky. And he said, let it be so. And in 1970, I came to be. But here's the thing, he went through that process for each one of you. Every one of us was chosen before God created the world. Um, <coughs> sorry. So we need to understand now this next part of the scripture gets a little confusing to people, okay? Um, it says that he predestined us to be adopted as his children. Now, people get all crazy about this verse, um, and I find that really interesting. And actually, I would dare say a lot of people get offended by it um, at the idea um, that God would predestine people to be adopted as his children. And I guess I've just never understood why the idea of predestination makes people think that God would be exclusive about who he predestines. If we read in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says this, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The King James Version ends it slightly different. It says, he is not willing that any should perish. So you see, God's will is that everybody would come to repentance. He determined from the beginning of time that we should each be adopted as his sons and daughters. He did not exclude anyone. He calls everybody, he draws everybody. But what we do with that prompting becomes an issue of our own free will. So if you've wonder been wondering whether or not you've been chosen, don't. You've been chosen. If you've been wondering if God truly predestined you to be his child, stop wondering 
because he did. That is a blessing that was given to you before the earth was even formed. He chose you. The rest of the blessings that we're gonna read about rest on the assumption that we choose him back because that is what it means to be in Christ. But don't think for a moment that God, that God waited for you to choose him. You were chosen first before the creation of the world and God has predestined that those who are in Christ would be adopted as his children. That's our blessing. Let's move on. We're gonna look at verses seven through 10. Now again, we are walking in the treasure room on this one, okay? So we're gonna read through this, and if you're like me, you're gonna be like, whoa, that's a lot of words that just went on. I'm telling you, that's what Paul does. That's how he does it. But let's read it together, and then we're gonna unpack it a little bit. Here's what it says in verses seven through 10. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he'd made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's this much of this sentence. <laughs> Those translators must have had quite a time of it, don't you think? It's amazing. But let's look at it. Let's look at some of the riches that are there because these are other blessings we have already received if we are in Christ. The first word that jumps out to me is redemption. If you don't know what redemption is, it simply means this. The price has been paid for you. The price has been paid. All of that concern, all of your unworthy feelings, you don't need to worry about that. The worth has been taken care of. We can never be good enough, we can never pay enough to cover all of, the, all of our sins, all of our shortfalls. But Jesus paid the price. You have been redeemed. It was taken care of. It's a spiritual blessing that you have already received when you are in Christ. But that idea of redemption, it's kind of like as Paul saw the table and then also was like, oh, look at that. That idea of redemption leads us to this other idea, which is forgiveness. Now, we've been talking about forgiveness a great deal in the church in the last year, but I was um, thinking about this picture of forgiveness and kind of looking at it in the opposite. And I was thinking to myself, imagine, if you will, that two people are in an argument, okay? And one is clearly in the right and one is clearly in the wrong. Wouldn't it be great if every argument was that obvious? Um, but in this case, we're gonna say that it is, and the person who's in the wrong has it brought to their attention and they realize, ooh, I was wrong about this. So they go back to the person who is in the right and they say, I'm so sorry, I was in the wrong. But the person who is in the right, instead of extending forgiveness, decides to belittle and degrade the person who is wrong. They had it coming after all. They were wrong by what they did. Now imagine if this is how God treated us because he was right, we have been wrong. And we can never do enough to make it right other than to say we're sorry. But we don't have to worry about that. God freely extends his, his forgiveness so that we can have freedom from the bondage of those kinds of things. What a blessing. And it has already been given to you. You don't need to keep working for it if you are in Christ. You don't have to keep striving for it. So then what I think is really cool, so we lead from redemption to, oh, this idea, that's right, it ties right into, into forgiveness, and then the scripture tells us that these are graces that are lavished on us. This word lavished is such a great word. In the original, it's parisio, and it's just a word that means um, more than enough 
or something that is extremely rich. So Paul takes this moment and just lets us know that, hey, these are riches for you. They are extremely rich for you. And then from there we hear this really interesting phrase that probably brings a lot of questions to people about whether or not we've really received this one. And he says that we've been, he's been revealing the mystery of his will. I know so many of us are always trying to figure out what God's will is for our life, but if you look at the Bible, if we let the Bible define it for us, the book of Colossians tells us that this mystery that we now have had revealed to us is the word of God in its fullness, which is really Jesus. Jesus became the fulfillment of God's word. Um, so that is a mystery that's been revealed to us. We've now been able to see what it is that, that God had intended through the gospel message of Christ. So in the New Testament, when we hear that word mystery, it's not meant to imply something that we can't understand, although don't get me wrong, there are plenty things about this Christian life that are, are beyond my understanding that truly are meant to be mysteries. But the fullness of the gospel of what Jesus did for us is not one of them. Instead, when the New Testament uses the word mystery, usually what it's talking about is something that was once unknown, but has now been revealed. That's a blessing that we sit under as people who are in Christ. And then ultimately in all of those phrases, it leads to this other idea, this beautiful word, unity. Couldn't we all use a little bit more unity? And what God is saying is when you are living underneath of these blessings, when you are in Christ, you have all of this and you are one with this family that I've adopted you into. Sweet unity. These are all spiritual blessings, all things we already possess. And that's not all. Verses 11 through 14 spell out a whole lot more, okay? But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna focus on all of them for you because here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk into the treasure chamber. I want you to discover some of those things for yourself or better yet, in a couple of weeks we start new small groups here in the church. Find a group to walk into the treasure chamber with. You'll be so glad that you did. I'm focusing on 11 verses today, but there are, there are thousands in the Bible, thousands of rich treasures that God has for us to understand and who we are. But I do need to share one more treasure out of this, this, um, this passage in Ephesians. And it comes from verse 13, where it says this. And you also were included with Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit. You know, seals were historically used by kings and leaders when they would make decrees or laws and they would put their seal on it as a sign that it could not be changed. We saw this in the book of Esther when they declared that the Jews were gonna have to be eradicated and, and so many other places in the scriptures as well. If you would really like to walk into a treasure room, I would encourage you dig into the Holy Spirit. Find out what the Bible has to tell you about who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, what is its um, role in the life of somebody who is in Christ. You will find such a treasure chest of things there. But what I want you to understand for the sake of this message today is that when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, it means that these are permanent blessings for us. Not a single one of your spiritual blessings is in jeopardy of fading away. Not one of them will get lost when you are in Christ. That's a pretty great promise. 
So here's the thing, God has these blessings for us, he has these riches for us, these great graces, and Paul seemed to understand that and put them into practice in his life. I wanna, I wanna close with a quick story that's gonna help you hopefully understand why it's important for us to understand these things and look at them and start to discover the riches that God has for us. It's a story about a Navajo Indian, so I'm just gonna read it, um, read it for you this morning. It goes like this. I remember years ago reading about an old Navajo Indian who had become rich because oil had been found on his property. He took all the money and put it in a bank. His banker became familiar with the habits of this old gentleman. Every once in a while, the Indian would show up at the bank and say to the banker, grass all gone, sheep all sick, water holes dry. <clears throat> the banker wouldn't say a word, <clears throat> excuse me. He knew what needed to be done. He'd bring the old man inside and seat him in the vault. Then he'd bring out several bags of silver dollars and he would say, these are yours. The old man would spend about an hour in there looking at his money, stacking up the dollars and counting them. And then he would come out and he would say, grass, all green. Sheep, all well. Water holes, all full. You see, he was simply reviewing his resources. That's all. That's where encouragement is found. When you look at the resources, at the blessings, at the riches that are already yours. And that's a secret that Paul seems to have figured out as he was going through the life struggles. So when you find yourself praising God and thanking him for the spiritual blessings that you've received, even though you've got a pebble in your shoe, that's when you'll know that you have truly unearthed the treasure. And that is our goal, my friends, as people who are in Christ. Let's live that way. I'm gonna invite our ushers to start preparing for communion this morning. You know, during our time of communion, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. And it is because of that sacrifice that we can be people who are in Christ. Now I'm willing to guess that today when I was talking about the fact that you were chosen before the creation of the world, that God had a vision for you standing before him as blameless and holy, that there are some of you in this room that probably wrestled uncomfortably with that because the enemy has been filling your mind with doubt about it for so often and so long. But I want you to know this, that lies that get repeated never become true they only become believed. But today you can decide, today you're gonna to choose to follow truth. And all you need to do is just pray a simple prayer asking Jesus to become the Lord of your life. And at that moment you will step into this journey that allows you to have received all these spiritual blessings that God has for you. And it can make a beautiful difference for your life. So I'm gonna invite everybody in the room <clears throat> to pray with me this morning as we say this prayer. But if it's true for you and you mean it from the bottom of your heart, we just want you to know that today you can start on this new path with Christ. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you loved me so much that you went to the cross and you took my punishment. 
God raised you from the dead and I ask you now to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I surrender my life to you. I choose a life in Christ. Amen.